0: Welcome to Two Brain Radio and happy 2018. It's Chris Cooper here. I'm the author of Two Brain, Business, Two Brain Business 2.0, Help First. And soon my new book in March will be coming out. Every year, sometimes every six months, I like to go into the mailbag. I like to answer questions that people send me via email. Because we send out uh, daily blog posts, we have an amazing email list that really writes back a lot. And sometimes they have some amazing questions. Sometimes I get amazing questions for the first time on call with our mentoring clients, sometimes I get questions for the thousandth time and I think, okay, it's probably worth answering this again. And so I like to dedicate this episode to the top 12, maybe 13 questions that I've gotten over the last year before we kick off the new season of Two Brain Radio. Coming up this year, we've got some amazing guests, both from inside the world of fitness and outside because a lot of gym owners are now reaching this stage, especially in the Two Brain group where the gym is their first idea, but it's not their only idea. And they're reaching forward and trying to build this new company using the systems and processes that they've, they've learned from us to build their gym. We have a special group just for this called the L5 Group. We're going to do a really, really fun show with a lot of the members of the L5 Group on Two Brain Day, February 13th where these guys are sharing their projects with you. And it's going to be kind of like a science fair, kind of like a craft show. And you can experience what other gym owners are working on that will better serve the community as a whole. But for now, we're going to get into some of these questions that I've been asked at the end of 2017. Hope you enjoy it. Our first question in the Q&A is an easy one. Will you be putting out your intramural open guide again? Yes, we will. You'll be able to download our 2018 two brain business intramural open guide next week. And I'll give you the link on this podcast. For those who don't know, the intramural open is an idea that I had because we have a strong intramural program uh, at my high school. And what happens is everybody on their very first day of high school is drafted into one of four houses. I know it sounds a lot like Harry Potter And I was a Panther, for example. So I would go to a Panther homeroom and every day a rep would come around and they would say, Chris, do you want to sign up for basketball? Do you want to sign up for floor hockey or crock And over the course of the year, they had about 60 or 70 different activities that you could sign up to do on your lunch break. But you were also really peer pressured to participate in this stuff. This was a pretty rural high school. Lots of us were farmers. And so, you know, we didn't really get involved in a lot of sports. So the reps their job would be to peer pressure us into signing up for stuff and then giving us points for showing up. So at the end of the year, the house or the team with the most points would actually win. Participation played a huge role, sorted of wins and losses. So we took that idea and we applied it to the CrossFit Open starting around 2012. We had a draft first and we tried to get everybody in our gym to sign up. Immediately we had this sign up rate of over 70%. It's been that way every year since. People don't pay much attention to the CrossFit Games leaderboard, but they do pay a lot of attention to the points between the different houses in Catalyst, and we do this draft uh, usually early February. This year we'll be doing it a little bit earlier because we have an intramural open prep course, and I'll give you all the details on that soon too. If you're in the Two Brain family, I will give you the super secret sixth event this year. I think it's probably cooler than what we've ever done before, but it requires a lot more Explanation. It's very unique. I think it's something that should be pretty simple for a gym owner to put together, but that you're not going to find in very many gyms. So if you're already in the two-brain family, you'll get all those details in a module very, very soon. If you're not in the two-brain family, you can still download our 2018 Intramural Open Guide. Next week, you'll find a link to it right on this podcast or on two The next question was a huge one that I just got, actually on Friday. And the question is, what are you teaching in 2018 that's different from what you taught in 2017? I think this is kind of a cheater question. It's like rubbing a lamp and a genie comes out and your first wish is for unlimited wishes. You know, it's uh, it's broad in general, but I'm going to try to answer it as well as I can. Every year, we go back through our curriculum and we say, what's changed? We try to start from a blank slate. In October, some of the senior mentoring team came to visit me in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. And the very first question I asked, the very first whiteboard we started with, what do gym owners actually need? And we went right back to brass tacks. Every time we ask that question, it's like starting over and saying, gentlemen, this is a football. Or gentlemen, here's how you put on your socks before a basketball game. We need to constantly be asking this question because the world keeps changing. Two years ago, uh, CrossFit gyms weren't competing with like Orange Theory. There was no big boot camp chains with better branding than we had. We weren't competing five years ago with these 24 7, $19 a month gyms. And so our strategy has to be not just refined, but we have to pivot. The stuff that was popular and effective in 2012 isn't necessarily the same stuff that's popular and effective now. So when we go back to this drawing board, um, We kind of start from scratch with everything. What are the biggest changes? First of all, the gold standards have changed. I mean, there are gyms out there who are selling packages for over $1,000 a month now. This isn't every client. However, I think it's really, really important to get the idea out there and talk exactly about how they're doing it because it's just like watching a CrossFitter deadlift 600 pounds and then run a mile in under seven minutes. As soon as you know that it's possible, you start thinking about how can I do it? It kind of enters your brain space as a possibility. So, we are going to be interviewing those people on this show. The best practices uh, to that end have changed. So, if we say, okay, well, these guys who are selling $900,000 a month packages at the gym, what are they actually selling? How are they actually doing it? And then, knowing that my job is to take that practice and make it applicable, make it actionable. So that you can take it and go step-by-step with your mentor and actually apply it. Then we take all those steps and we say, where else do these same steps appear? For example, if people who are selling a $900 a month membership are doing it through a consultative process, okay. If people who are selling nutrition programs are doing that through a consultative process, okay. If people who are selling more personal training have a consultative process at intake, okay. We know this must be part of a gold standard. We know that it must be the key that unlocks several doors. And so we're going to teach that more and more and more. Now, if you have been following our stuff for even five years, you'll know that we've always had a consultative process. You'll know that the prescriptive model, which we teach, has focused more and more and more on meeting one-on-one with your clients more and more often instead of offering free trials and commoditizing yourself. I want you talking to your clients, having fewer of them who are worth more. What else is different? I think that the capabilities of every box have expanded. That means it's very, very easy for you to get pulled down into rabbit holes like marketing, like building your own website, you know, changing your own oil. So more than ever, I think it's a box owner's job to become a generalist instead of a specialist. It's too easy to spend a lot of time on, you know, the latest programming thing or the latest mobility thing or setting up a TV so that you can play like a mobility video in the corner or setting up like a 24 hour key lock system so that people can come in your gym. I'm going to address that in a later question. Instead of being a generalist who is pretty good at all these things and then hiring a specialist to figure them out and actually implement them, a lot of box owners get pulled down these rabbit holes and they spend months and months working on a project that's not going anywhere. That's not actually going to make them any more money or buy them any more time. So we have to be very careful when we say, you know, like what's next, that I'm not just dumping a bunch of ideas on you, that I'm only adding ideas. That replace old ideas or add income or decrease time. What else is new? I really think there's going to be a lot of more merge um, because of these opportunities online. There's going to be a greater merger between your website and payment gateways and WAD tracking. Um, all these external software pieces that we use right now. I think a lot of affiliate owners are going to realize are kind of redundant. I'll get to this question later on too. I think uh, as always, there will be a far greater absorption of tech as we distinguish ourselves from these you know orange theory boot campy places. I think a lot more gyms are going to get into things like blood testing um like a much stronger prescriptive model that includes lifestyle stuff, cognitive stuff. I think one of the big opportunities, and and therefore one of the big changes we're going to see in 2018, is more gyms focusing in hard on their ideal clientele and marketing specifically to them. So for example, I've noticed that a lot of our long-term clients, our best clients, our seed clients, are entrepreneurs or semi-independent professionals. So they might not actually own a business, but they might have a lot of autonomy within their job. Um, you know, they're on the road for three days and then they get four days off or they can basically work whenever they want to, or they can work from home. They're of an entrepreneurial mindset. They manage themselves. They have some time freedom. They have some disposable income. So if I'm trying to serve this audience better, what can I offer them? Coworking space. I can offer them a meal prep service, meal delivery service. They can have a meal subscription service. I can offer them some cognitive exercise, I can give them some business seminars, I can bring in guest speakers around business for them. Once you know exactly who your target audience is and you start to measure the similarities between your seed clients, you start to say, like, how else can I improve their lives? If your target audience is fat loss and all you're doing is selling an hour of exercise every day, you're probably not changing their lives as much as you think. You might be providing the catalyst to change their life, okay? You might be the space around which the rest of their life starts to make a pivot. But there's a lot more opportunity there for you to help people than just giving them burpees. There's also a lot more knowledge in social psychology and adherence and retention than ever before. Uh, If you've been following our stuff since I started writing it in 2009... You'll know that I'm a huge fan of behavior. I think that if we can change people's behavior, then selling a gym or marketing becomes a moot point. If they're already doing CrossFit and they love it, our goal is to keep them around. If they're not, then our goal is just to get them exercising and lead them to CrossFit eventually. So with new science there, we're actually rebuilding a lot of our modules around new and improved practices on behavior and retention. Um... We've been teaching Bright Spots, for example, since at least 2012. I mean, it was in my first book. It was on DontBuyAds.com back in 2010. It's super important. And so you know that if I'm changing what we're teaching there, it's got to be a big deal. The last thing, I think uh, every affiliate owner should read The Power of Moments by Chip and Dan Heath. I mean, you should read everything by Chip and Dan Heath if you want to understand your client's behavior. the power of moments is huge and uh, this led us to update bright spots but basically the key is um, understanding retention means creating these powerful outstanding moments in your client's lifespan let's think about what are your peak memories from your life okay if you're over 40 like i am you probably have most of your peak memories from your childhood You know, there's a combination there of novelty, of excitement, of kind of being overwhelmed, of joy. When you become an adult, there are fewer and fewer instances of those. Maybe graduating college, maybe getting that first job, maybe getting married. Okay, these are peak moments. And then what happens? Then you're going to spend the next 40 years without one until your retirement party. Or maybe you take your kids to Disneyland at some point there. We have the opportunity to create these peak moments for people. And sometimes that means getting your first pull-up, sometimes not. I think there are a lot of ways to put peak moments into gyms. I think that there uh, is some obvious software opportunity there. But even more than that, if you build your gym system around um, achievement, you know, you got your first pull-up, that's great. You got your fifth pull-up, that's great. You showed up for the Open, that's great. You did your 100th visit, that's great. More and more gyms are starting to catch on to this. And there are systems out there like the Level Method where this is just baked right in. And honestly, they do a lot of the work for you. It's like a belting system for CrossFit and they were on the podcast a couple weeks ago. So that's kind of an overview. Um, If you're in the Two Brain family, you'll get all these incubator modules updated for free as long as you're in the growth stage. If you're currently in the incubator now, um, we will be moving you to a new platform with all these modules updated very, very soon. For now, head down, chin up, uh, keep working, keep focusing, keep doing your mentoring calls, and we'll introduce this stuff to you uh, very, very soon. Next question is, what's the best marketing advice you gave in 2017? This is a tough question to answer because a mentor gives specific advice, actionable strategies, and holds clients accountable for different things depending on the client. So some clients, we tell, yeah, build your Facebook marketing funnel. Other clients, we say, go buy four coffees and go meet your neighbor. The key here is what's easiest and what's going to have the fastest impact. So let me give you kind of the broad picture of what Two Brain looks like from my perspective. When we bring somebody in, into the incubator, we have a 100% ROI guarantee. Now, a lot of these gyms are not making any money. So for me to guarantee a $2,500 ROI in about eight weeks means that I'm making a pretty big bet on them. And I'll talk later about how I decide when I'm going to make that bet on people. That also means that the advice that we give and the strategies that that we share and hold you accountable to have to work really, really fast. So with $2,500 on the line, am I going to teach marketing? No, not very much. And also knowing that out of that six weeks, there are more important things than marketing to fix. Like you have to do all of your roles and tasks. You have to build your staff playbook. Those things don't directly affect your income. I mean, nobody's going to pay you to build this staff playbook. But you have to have it done or else you're not going to keep the new clients that we start bringing in. You're not going to make a sustainable business that is an operating platform so that you can add these other things like nutrition or personal training or specialty programs. They're just not going to happen. So knowing that in eight weeks, not only do I have to guarantee uh, an ROI on our incubator, I also have to do that knowing that in the first few weeks, the activities that you're doing um, don't directly drive revenue. They just build your, your foundation. You know, they're more important than everything else But there's no immediate revenue. So knowing that I'm going to have to guarantee that ROI, what do I turn to? Well, first of all, most affiliates, uh, most gym owners in general have a lot of low-hanging fruit that they're not looking at. They're looking at you know, sexy Facebook ads because they look easy. They look like, oh, I can just pay this guy to do this for me. But what they're overlooking are you know, a huge batch of potential clients who are already interested. They're probably a better fit for you than the random person that's looking at your Facebook ad. And they're just a conversation away. So we're going to start with retention, first of all. Then we're going to talk about your intake process. Then we're going to talk about sales. Sales means talking to people who are already paying attention. Then we're going to radiate out from there, starting with the most likely people to sign up for your gym, who will be able to afford it, who already have connections there, who are most likely to enjoy it instead of random people who are scrolling through Facebook instead of, you know, getting up in the morning. So that's how we teach it, you know, with money on the line, gun to our head That's the strategy that we're going to use. So if you say, what's the best marketing advice I gave in 2017? I wouldn't say, go Facebook ads. I would say, who are the last five people who quit your gym? Let's look at them and find out why. I would say, let's change your intake process. I would say, let's start booking goal reviews. That is the path to more revenue. And when your mindset has been shifted to how do I make more money instead of how do I get more clients, you start to look at these things as much bigger opportunities than just running like a free six-week challenge to try and get people in your door. I'm going to spell these strategies out step by step in my next book uh, coming out in March, hopefully, but we already teach it in the incubator Mentors already walk through the process every month with their clients. They work through the worksheets. The clients are held accountable for actually doing all the things. For now, if all of your marketing is done while looking at a screen, I suggest you do the exact opposite. You go buy coffee. You walk next door to your neighbor and you say, how's business? You volunteer to coach your kids hockey team. You shake hands with every parent who's bringing their kids to that team. And you say, would you like to come for coffee? Obviously, a lot of my marketing, doing air quotes, revolves around coffee. But I think 11 of the last 13 people to join my gym came either through that personal connection that I made while you know, serving them, coaching their kids maybe, or there was one degree of separation. So, hey, you coach my sister's kid. That's where sales comes from. That's where better clients come from. That's where revenue comes from. If you're still in the 2015 mindset that more clients equals better gym, then no, these things aren't going to be appealing to you. If you've got $2,500 on the line and you have to produce it in about four or five weeks, these are the things that you do. This is a question we get a lot from people in the incubator because we do teach content marketing. This thing that I'm doing right now, talking into a microphone at 4 a.m., this is content marketing. I'm doing it because I want to help. I don't care if any more people sign up for Two Brain. We're a huge family right now. I think we're leading the pack, but I don't need more clients. Just like at my gym, I don't need more clients. We still do these things though because our marketing and our sales process revolves around help first. So I do podcasts. I bring on guests on the podcast who I think can help you. I write love letters to my list every day and they go on my blog and they they go out to our email list. So the question, how much content is too much? The short answer is, I've never seen it. But the real answer is a little bit more complicated. The wrong content can be too much even the first time. So if you go out and you buy an email list and you start spamming that list, hey, come to my gym, or you put stuff on that list that will turn people off, then the first piece of content is too much. A couple of times this year, I my gym got spammed by like business consulting organizations. You know, and some of them were within CrossFit and some not. So I'm not just taking a shot at the CrossFit guys. But without me asking for information, it means I'm not giving them permission to talk to me. And so suddenly they're just a stranger coming up. They're an evangelist for something that I've never heard of and I'm not interested in. And I'm immediately going to slam the door. First impressions on this stuff matter, guys. So if uh, somebody walks up to you on the street and they say, oh, I'm from this new uh, Satan's Choice religion. Let me talk to you about this. And you say, "Uh, no, thank you. The next time you hear about this religion, you're going to remember, yeah, there's a crazy guy in the street talking to me about that. That cult is for crazy people. If I'm getting unsolicited content from you, it might turn me off. It's, it's a razor's edge. However, if you sign up for a list, if you sign up for my list, you're going to hear from me almost every day because I have things that I think will help you. And I got some amazing feedback this week. You know, people um, write back all the time to these love letters and say, uh, yours is the only one that I read. Um, You know, I work for another business consulting group and I think, damn, this guy is good. That's one that I got last week. Thank you for that. So, When you're writing these love letters and writing good content, it doesn't mean that they have to be polished. It means that they have to be caring. They have to be important. They have to actually be helpful. That's the key. And if you can create meaningful, helpful, caring content, there's no such thing as too much. There's no ceiling. If you're spamming people with garbage they don't want to hear, filling their inbox with bad grammar and swear words, just don't. Don't email me, get me off your list and stop doing it to everyone else. You have to be caring and helpful. If you feel like you have nothing to say, you're probably wrong. There are probably people who can benefit from your advice right now. If you want to get started with content marketing, ask yourself, am I more comfortable writing or am I more comfortable with a video? I like writing. That's why I do a lot of writing. Other people are more comfortable with video. That's why they're all over YouTube. You know, Gary Vaynerchuk doesn't write very much. Then you want to ask yourself, what is the last question a client asked me that made me think, geez, doesn't everybody know that? That's probably good content. What's the last question that somebody asked you that made you roll your eyes? Like, I can't believe people still think that. Write an article about that. Do a video about that. Don't ever make people feel dumb. Always make people feel smart. Um, Greg Glassman once said to me, talk to the smart people, and they'll explain it to everyone else. But what he was really saying there had two sides. Number one is we don't water our language down for anybody. We let them step up to understand what we're saying. Number two is if you write to people as if they're smart, they'll feel smart. And if they feel smart when they're around you, they'll want to be around you more often. So content marketing is super important, Um, A lot of people will become interested in your brand, but not convinced that they should buy from you until they're warmed up, you know, until they know a lot about you. There are people who've been on my email list at Catalyst for nine years before they signed up. Now, you know, those first five years are a write-off. I did a really bad job, but it was still working. There are people on the Two Brain list right now, and if you're not on it, you can get on it at twobrainbusiness.com, who read everything. They, they open up every email. Sometimes they wait until the weekend and they read them all at once. We have an open rate of over 40%. That tells me that the information that we're putting out there is not spam. It's relevant, caring stuff that's actually going to help people with their business. And I think that's the key and I think that takes a lot of practice. It's taken me years to get to the point where I can put that stuff out uh, reliably. We have a few other mentors at Two Brain. Uh, who do an amazing job with this stuff too? If you've ever seen the two minutes to win it stuff from Brian Alexander, or if you've ever watched Jeff Berlin games content, um, you know, Ken Andruco puts out the rare blog posts that are always like dropping a bomb into a volcano. They're great. If you've read their stuff, you know that they have important things to say, and that is the key. So, how much content is too much? Great content can't get enough, there's no ceiling. Bad content, uh, meaning you know, not meaningful to me. Uh, you're spamming me. You bought my name off a list. Uh, one piece of content is too much. A final note on that: I was talking to the owner of a mentoring practice for um, martial arts gyms, and he was telling me that their biggest response rate came through their 20 second email. So this guy owns more like a franchise system, and they have you know hundreds of gyms in their in their network and they basically write all the content for the gyms to put out for them. Pretty cool concept. Uh and they then they track you know through InfusionSoft like who responds to what email, um, when do gyms get signups. And it's usually the 20 second email. So keep that in mind when you're writing content. If if you publish something and you're like, oh it didn't get much response, nobody really clicked on it, you know, it doesn't matter. Write every day anyway. Write for yourself. Write to teach something because when you teach something, you get to learn it twice. Next question is, how do you keep your entrepreneurial spark? Um, We get a lot of people who come into the incubator and they're super, super busy, right? Nobody ever accused a box owner of being lazy. Never. When we mentor business owners from other industries, like outside the fitness industry at the workshop, Um, Sometimes we have this problem where we need to tell them like, look, you need to wake up at 5 a.m. If you look at other business mentors online, they're encouraging their people to get up an hour earlier to work. We do not have that problem in CrossFit. It's awesome. The problem that we have is that work will always expand to fill the space that we give it, right? you're busy doing all the things. You're, you're checking Instagram, you're going on Facebook groups and asking questions and buying Kill Cliff and trying to pick out the best supplier for your t-shirts and check people in and rant. So how do I keep my entrepreneurial spark? Number one, I limit the number of big projects that I'm working on. Um, and then I have some criteria for that too. So when I was working in the gym every single day, 15 hours a day, that really was grinding me down but i would keep myself going by always having one big project that i was working on usually something more artistic so this might have been like a new website or i was you know creating this new blog or doing this other special project most of the times these things didn't go anywhere but it was a creative outlet for me that kind of kept my passion burning was it distracting sometimes? Yeah. I, you know, I'd get excited about this and I'd be a little bit distracted when I was coaching a class because I was thinking about uh, this new program that I was building. Guilty. However, you know, I had to go through almost 10 years like that. Um, and that meant my gym stayed open. I think it's probably worth sacrificing a little bit of your attention to keep you sane. These days, I have a lot of opportunities for projects. I get pitched on projects that are worth, and I get pitched on projects that are worth $2 million. I would love to do them all. My mentor makes sure that I stick with only three at a time. Three is still a lot. And the other ideas never get, you know, uh, shoved aside or thrown in the trash or sold to somebody else. They always get put on my list for six months from now. And that way I'm constantly refining what I do to make sure that I'm not distracted and doing a thousand different things at once. What I find is that if I have long periods of intense focus on one project, um, that's good, but it's not enough. I have to have some sideline projects that I can work on. I actually wrote Help First and Two Brain Business 2.0 side by side. So if I was writing a chapter in Help First and I got stuck on something, I could put it aside for a couple of days and start working on 2.0. And then vice versa, you know, I would write a chapter in 2.0 and I'd get stuck on something like, what is the best practice for this? And then I would go right back to help first. So you kind of need those two things. The other thing is you have to find work um, that has a perfect balance between appropriate level of challenge and too hard. So it can't be, can't be too hard. Can't be too easy. Your work has to challenge you a little bit, or you're going to get burned out. Likewise, you need periods of rest. So think of Cellu's General Adaptation Syndrome. And we teach this to all of our clients, right? Uh, An organism under stress, if it remains under stress, it will go into decline. If you remove the stress, it will supercompensate. So it's really critical to be working on a specific project and then take a period of rest. Now for me, change is as good as a rest. So I don't need to take a two-week vacation where I don't think about work at all. That's impossible for me. My brain just doesn't work like that. But if I work on the gym and take two weeks off working on the gym to work on this other thing, maybe Ignite, I'm refreshed and I can come back to the gym with clear eyes again, see it more objectively and not get burnt out. That's what's been working for me now For you know, since I started in the fitness industry in 1996. Um, I think it can work for a lot of other people. The key is to not be doing the exact same thing every day, to have at least one kind of side project, it could be basket weaving, whatever, um, that requires you to learn more to perform. So um, it's challenging, not just because of the time commitment, but also because you need to be learning something, but not too challenging. So you're not getting too frustrated. I'll give you an example. A lot of affiliate owners should learn how to build a website on WordPress, Not because they're going to be the best website maker in history. In fact, they probably shouldn't touch their own website, but they should know how to change their oil. So why not make a WordPress website for, you know, your, your flower arranging business that you do on the side, whatever. It's good education. It's good practice. It allows you to be creative. It allows you to be distracted from, you know, just delivering classes all day. You also have to learn a little bit. That doesn't mean you should open a website company. Website companies should be owned by website developers. You do not need a massive distraction that will bury you. What you need is a little distraction that will challenge you. Now, if you go play a sport outside CrossFit, that's awesome. If you want a CrossFit gym and you compete in CrossFit competitions, that's cool. Those are two very different things. You know, competing in the open and and winning regionals doesn't make your box better. We all know this already. CrossFit can still be your hobby if you own a CrossFit box. Doing CrossFit is not your job if you own a CrossFit box. And so, you know, you can kind of satisfy that creative urge that way. But the way that I keep my spark, the way that I keep going, keep getting up at 4 a.m. to write this stuff, is to constantly have some kind of novel project that I'm working on. And the other thing, and this might sound dark, I don't hear any other business mentors talking about this, is that I always have a chip on my shoulder. You know, I have a, a really finely tuned bullshit meter, And I see a lot of stuff in our industry that's bad advice. You know, there are people with failing gyms who are offering advice to other gym owners. That drives me bananas. And it gets me out of bed at 4 a.m. to write the truth, to correct these guys. I don't confront these guys directly because I know that's not going to stop them. What I do is write the truth and put that out there to our network so that they're not sucked into these bad decisions. So, yeah, there is a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. Even though TwoBrain is the largest mentoring practice in the world, you know, with 13 staff mentors from all around the world, with hundreds of clients, with experts producing very specific high-end modules that we use for homework. We always have to be looking at, you know, what else is happening around us? What are the untruths being shared? What are the myths being propagated? That might not be healthy. You know, a therapist might say, Oh, you shouldn't do that. Um, You know, other business mentors will say, don't focus on your competition, especially if they're 10 miles behind you. However, sometimes that's what lights my my fire in the morning. You know, that's what sparks me. There's a line in Two Brain Business where I'm talking about looking out my window at the gym down the street. And I, I can clearly remember this, even though it's been over 10 years now. We were on the second story of this women's clothing store. And we had these big, bright, beautiful windows. We kind of looked like a lighthouse if you were driving down the street. Because we'd be the first thing open every morning. And we'd have like all these lit windows lit up brightly. You know, the walls inside were bright green. The catalyst sign was on. And I was really proud of our appearance. Especially when it was dark all around us. But the first thing that I would do when I turn those lights on is kind of press my cheek and nose up against the window and crane my neck to look around the corner and see if the guy down the street was open yet. And that was kind of my marker every morning. And there were certain mornings, you know, especially, you know, today, it's January, it's dark, it's very, very cold, I don't want to get in my truck, I don't want to go to to the gym. And that would make me get there first. Am I going to beat that guy? So I don't think the chip on your shoulder is naturally an unhealthy thing in business, I do think it can drive you to get started, but you always have to be looking at like the, the project in the future. You can't keep your head down and keep grinding. You have to keep your chin up. You have to keep your eyes bright. You have to project confidence, and that means you have to stay interested. You have to nourish that spark. Now, this next question usually follows, or it comes from people who have lost that spark, and they say, I'm thinking about selling my gym." Here's the tactic, and this is kind of a secret that the mentors use at Two brain. I don't want you to sell your gym because as soon as you sell your gym, you're going to regret it. You'll, you'll lose the opportunity to change people's lives. You've gotten the best opportunity that you'll ever have to make a difference in this world. I understand it's frustrating, and I don't want you to, to fail at it. I don't want you to be poor. I don't want you to fight with your wife about you know what kind of cheese to buy. I want you to be successful at this. That's why we're business mentors. So in the back of my mind, I'm immediately thinking, no, 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 don't sell your gym. But to, to keep you from selling your gym, um, I, might, I might take a little step here. And this is a secret that we're going to reveal. The thing is, the process to sell your gym and the process to fix your gym are exactly the same because selling a dysfunctional gym means selling something that's worth nothing. I can't believe that people expect to sell their gym when their gym is losing money. You know, it's, it's literally worth less than $0. So what you want to do is get your gym running really, really well, make yourself replaceable, make it into a turnkey operation before you sell it. It's going to be worth a lot more. So uh, one guy who started the incubator a couple weeks ago said, look, I'm just doing this because I want to make my gym worth a lot more money at sale. I'm definitely selling right now. The valuation is like zero. I want to sell this for a quarter million and then start my next project. So we said, okay, let's go through the incubator. Let's um, you know, develop your staff. Let's um, d- put the best people in the best roles. Let's build the staff playbook. Let's make all of your systems automated. Let's build a retention system. Let's work on your sales and then put like uh, a marketing practice into place. So eight weeks later, it's a completely different gym. And this guy's goal in the incubator was um, take five days off without contact, email, phone with the gym. And, you know, usually the mentor actually places that goal on them. So he takes five days off with his wife. He comes back and he goes, Hey, I was surprised to be excited to coach at 6 a.m. when I got back from this vacation. Wait a minute. Maybe I don't need to sell this gym. So now he's still 90-10 about selling it. But he's learned that a solid gym requires a lot less anguish than a dysfunctional gym, right? There's no such thing as a good gym or a bad gym. There's no such thing as a good entrepreneur or a bad entrepreneur. There's just a trained entrepreneur or an untrained entrepreneur. So I'm warning you right now, if you book a free call, and I I welcome you to, and you say, I'm thinking about selling my gym, how do I make the most possible money from the sale as I can? I'm probably going to give you the same advice as I would if you said, how do I fix my gym? And even more, I'm tipping my hat here, I'm going to try and trick you into keeping your gym by telling you that the process is exactly the same. Luckily, that's the truth. It is the same. You can't sell a house that's falling down, not for very much money. And so if you're convinced that you need to sell your gym, I'm going to trick you into owning it for another two to three months by putting all the processes in place that will make the gym worth more money and then I'm going to ask you, you sure you want to sell? Because if you're a great gym owner and a passionate coach, I don't want you to sell. Sometimes you will. And this has happened a couple of times in the two Rain family. You know, somebody said, hey, look, it, the gym has turned around. We're enjoying it now, but it's too late. Like I'm seven years in, I'm totally burnt out. I, I get anxiety just going to my business. Fine, sell it. But take the value from zero to at least a quarter million if you can make a return on this time investment in which you spent several years. Next question is, should I still use the word CrossFit? And I'm going to assume that this person is really asking uh, in all of my branding, on my website, in my social media, should I be calling myself CrossFit Catalyst? And the answer is yes. CrossFit is a descriptor. CrossFit tells people what you're selling Before CrossFit, we were all calling ourselves like strength and conditioning coaches and nobody knew what the hell that meant. We were calling ourselves like fitness experts, but we didn't want to be perceived as personal trainers because they already had a bad rap. So CrossFit is an amazing descriptor. It's an amazing separator. It tells people that what you're doing is not the same as what's going on at the Globo gym down the street. You need to use it. It's also the most inexpensive, most leverageable brand in the fitness world, period. You might be immune to its effects if you've been around it a long time. So if you're a gym owner, it might appear as if the CrossFit brand is not getting you new clients, but that's just, you know, dosage exposure. You're around it all the time, so it doesn't have the same intoxicating effect that it did on you when you found CrossFit in the first place. Now, here's the context in which you use CrossFit. CrossFit. First, if you're, you know, look at an umbrella, you sell fitness. And so your your system is selling fitness. When somebody comes in your door, or before they even come in your door, you want to talk to them as early in the decision-making process as you can. So the second they decide, I need to get fit, I need to lose weight, I need to feel better, I need to fix my bad back, you want to talk to them then. Putting the CrossFit brand in front of them at that stage might be counterproductive. Again, that's an audience that's not really open to hearing from you yet. It's, you know, and that's another reason I don't like Facebook marketing to unfiltered funnels. So what you want to talk about at that stage is fitness, nutrition. It might be exercise in a group. It might be, we make this fun. Uh, We help you set up a habit. When they come in your door, you still need to add context You still need to have a conversation and make a prescription. And your prescription is going to be for nutrition. It might be for some cognitive training. It might be one-on-one training. It might be lifestyle. It might be group training. And if it's group training, then you prescribe CrossFit. How is this mindset different? Number one, it means that you're no longer selling commodity against a commodity. You're no longer selling CrossFit against Orange Theory. You're selling coaching expertise against a vacuum. Nobody else is selling coaching expertise in your in your town. When you're the coaching expert and you say to people, yeah, I think you should do Orange Theory twice a week and you should do personal training here once a week, that's a very different mindset and a very different um, strategy, a very different service than saying, come in and try a free CrossFit class and then trying to sell against people who are going to sell um, a better, a better branded commodity than you are. Another way that I want you to think about CrossFit is that CrossFit is a workout model. It's not a business model. It's not a sales model. It's not a marketing model. It is not an end unto itself. People don't exercise for the sake of doing exercise. They exercise because they want to stop feeling like a dirt bag. They exercise because they want to lose weight. They want to lose weight because they need to feel sexy. They need to feel sexy so that they can get a mate and get some support and have somebody around them in their old age. They're scared. Um, They need to strengthen up their lower bad, their bad lower back. They need to strengthen their bad lower back because they're 40 years old and they're thinking, man, if I got another 40 years of this, I'm going to be bedridden by the time I'm 50. They're scared. So you have to understand what you're actually selling here, saying, you know, CrossFit Catalyst does not draw people in. Maybe in 2008, three clients came in the door because they saw the CrossFit sign, they'd been following main site, they were excited to see something like that. Maybe in 2013, when boxes were opening up in a new town, there were enough people who were already interested and aware uh, about CrossFit that they would just walk in the door. Now you have to understand that CrossFit is your exercise model. It's part of your overall prescription, but it's not your entire service. It's not your entire brand. It's not your business model. So should you drop the CrossFit name? Absolutely not. It is the best uh, brand out there that you could use. Is it your your leading service? I don't think so. I, I think it's a huge part of the conversation. I think CrossFit has changed the world of exercise. I will, you know, always be an affiliate. um, But most people in our city don't call me CrossFit Catalyst. They just say Catalyst. What is the best software to use? Most people hearing this question will think, um, you know, am I talking about Zen Planner, MindBody, whatever, um, PushPress. And the truth is that all of these systems have something good going for them, you should probably talk to all of them. But I want to talk about the broader scope. You know, what software should you actually use if you own a fitness business? And let's start from square one. You're already using WordPress, right? 99%. Virtually every CrossFit gym site is built on WordPress. There are some custom coded sites out there. They're pretty advanced and they include workout tracking and stuff. But honestly, like these sites are going to cost you $20,000 So most gym owners use WordPress or they hire a developer who has WordPress or they're using a WordPress theme. This is another reason why I think that you should learn how to build a website uh, because it's our job to be a generalist and hire specialists to do specialty things. So you're already using WordPress. That's software number one. Software number two is going to be your payment processor your actual processor, like Paysafe, Paysimple, Bluefin, um, NetBanks. You have to be cognizant of what software you're using there. Laying on top of that is like a booking and billing software. So if we go back to square one and we say, what are all the options out there? Most people will think of the, the big three, right? Zen Planner, Wattify, MindBody, um, Pike 13, PushPress, the big five. But if you go from a blank slate and you say, what are other fitness professionals using? Then you'd be led to things like exercise.com. You start looking at things a little bit differently. And just because these, these big five are the key players in our industry doesn't necessarily mean they're the best fit for where our industry is going. I'll give you an example. In one of the key players, the, the workout tracking is amazing. And if that was what we were selling is you know performance in workouts, that would be the perfect software for us. But clients can't book personal training sessions. So you're automatically eliminating a key piece of revenue. You have to add a piece of software like Acuity or Schedule once for clients to be able to book PT. Well, now you can't pair the personal training package that they're using with the personal training package that they bought because you've got two separate pieces of software. So how useful actually is that? The next thing that you have to look at is um, how easy is it for clients to use? Are they attracted to the app or are you adding like five apps to their life? Do they actually need that? So are you adding MyFitnessPal plus Zen Planner plus SugarWad plus Eyes, depending on what kind of client they are and Acuity? You know, at one point a few months ago, that's what my gym was running. It was using Zen Planner to uh, process booking and billing. We were using Acuity for scheduling because it's a lot simpler and prettier we were using SugarWad for wad tracking because, again, it's a lot simpler and prettier. Um, and we were using other stuff too. You know, We were using different plugins on, on WordPress and on WooCommerce. When you do these things, add MyFitnessPal to that list, add Trainerize to that list, you're asking your clients to like, download and interact with about five different apps if they want to use your service. That's crazy to me. Now, there isn't an all-in-one solution out there. But I think it all probably starts with your website. And I'm throwing this out there um, kind of as a curveball, kind of as a hand grenade. If you're on a WordPress website, you already have WooCommerce or it's available for free as a plugin. That means you already have access to Stripe. So you've got a powerful, versatile payment processor. You've got a powerful, versatile checkout card. If you add something like WooCommerce subscriptions or Subscriptio, you've got like a way to invoice people on a recurring basis. And now you own this client information. My question is, what else do these software pieces add to that conversation? And what else do you actually need? So instead of making a recommendation here, I'm going to say, here's what gym owners actually need. Number one, they need a way to process payments. Number two, they need a way for clients to be able to track their own attendance. And number three, track their own performance. Number four, we need a way to simplify the gym owner's life. So the software should give clients a way to book appointments, whether that's personal training, whether that's goal review, nutrition, free no sweat intro, whatever that is. Appointment booking is a really easy thing set up? You know, we had this in 2007. We were using um, mycalendar.com or something like that. And clients would book in, they'd make their own appointments. We'd tie that to um, a package that they had purchased. This is not complex stuff. It should be part of every gym owner's package in CrossFit or not. Then you say, what else do gym owners want? Like what's kind of nice? Well, email automations are nice, but not critical. You can set that up for free through like MailChimp We want a way for the client and the gym owner to interact through the app so they should be able to text me through the app. They should be able to send me pictures of what they've eaten, take selfies at home you know, in their underwear for before and after pictures and send me those right through the app so it's all tracked in one spot. It should be very, very easy for a coach to see a client's data over time. If you're actually coaching somebody, you have to be looking at their individual results. You can't just be selling choreography. You can't just be selling workouts where people show up, you have no idea what their performance is over time or you're leaving all the tracking to them or you're not reviewing um, your performance in the gym. If you're not changing your programming based on clients' results, then you need to start looking at your clients' results and determine whether you need to change your programming. So good software needs to be able to give you individual perspective is this client making progress and it needs to give you meta progress is everybody making progress are we all headed in the right direction the best retention tool for your gym is results and if you're not tracking results then you don't know if you're getting any until people tell you hey i lost 30 pounds you won't know unless you're asking them your software should do those things for you what else is kind of on the software wish list a really easy way to reward um, peak moments, okay, bright spots. Now we're learning a lot from the online education world and I think that the integration between online learning and in-person coaching is going to get tighter and tighter. I think, uh, and we're actually teaching this into the Two Brain family right now in the new incubator program, what the client's first 90 days look like. And that now means the inclusion of some online learning. So a client, a catalyst signs up, Um, yes, they're coming to coaching sessions. Yes, they're coming to groups. Yes, they're doing some workouts on their own at home, but they're also being taught what is fitness. They're also getting, um, foundations by Greg Glassman. They're also getting videos by Greg and from me and from the other coaches, they're getting nutrition tips. They're getting checklists every single day. And this is all done through, uh, email integration. Once it's set up, I shouldn't just say email integration because it's more than that, way more than that. It's like an online course. Once it's set up, it runs itself. And uh, I think this is going to help. Adherence, we're testing this in 10 gyms right now. The initial feedback from clients has been off the charts. Amazing. You and I might think we don't need badges to you know, keep us going. And then we go play a little video game on our phone where we're getting these gold stars and 30 points and we're crushing candy and you know, whatever those rewards are. Badging is really important because it acknowledges progress. And the more frequently you can give people badges in a video game, the more likely they are to stay addicted to that video game. This is how Facebook works. This is how all the games apps works on your phone. We can take this technology or at least this philosophy and use it in our gyms. So when you say what software is the best, we have to look at the broader scope and we have to say what software actually satisfies what we need. We need booking billing. We need the ability to make appointments, to take attendance and to track results. Now, hold your current software up against that lens and say, where does it fall short? Is it the best at payments, at auto bills? Maybe it doesn't have to be as long as it has all those other things. If it's you know pretty good at auto billing, but really weak on reporting, you probably want something else. If it doesn't have the ability to book personal training sessions, then you're cutting off like you know, the ability to automate 20 to 30% of your business, you're probably cutting off a massive revenue stream. So if you can't do personal training through your software or you can't sell nutrition through your software, it's costing you a lot more than 300 bucks a month. It's costing you maybe a quarter million dollars a year because you can't make that service easy. The next question is what tech are you using this year? And I wanted to follow the software question with this. So we've done tech episodes in the past where we've talked about you know, using uh, force meters, using different ways to measure um, athlete performance. And I wanted to answer this question next because I just said, like if you're not measuring results, then you don't really know what you're selling. So I also like to play with stuff. I like to break things. I like to try new things. I like to make mistakes. Nine out of 10 things that I try, you'll never hear about. Our process at Two Brain basically is one of the mentors has a great idea and they test the technology themselves. If the technology works, then they display the results to the rest of us and usually three more mentors will test it, sometimes up to 10. Sometimes if we're really pumped about something and we're really, really, really confident, like all the mentors will test it at once. Then we'll gather data and then we'll teach it back to people. Is this a slow process? It absolutely is. But that's because guys like me and Brian Alexander are testing different things all the time. And we don't want to make a recommendation for something that's not going to work. At this stage, there are so many gyms who are so reliant on what we say that if I introduce something before it's been fully vetted, a lot of people are going to follow down that road, whether they're in the two brain family or not. I want to make mistakes with my own money. I don't want to guess and so if something's going to go wrong, I want it to happen at my gym. I don't want to say to you, hey, yeah, you should raise rates. If I've never raised rates myself, because then I'm just making guesses with your money. Okay, so what tech am I testing? And I went through that whole preamble because I don't want you to run right out and say, Chris Cooper says this is the best thing. Um, you know, I, I understand that, that our opinion carries weight. Thank you for that trust. Um, but these are just tests. The first thing is blood testing. Uh, I won't give you exactly the company that I'm using, but I'm testing 10 of our members. I'm testing all of our mentors and they're using some of their gyms to see how blood testing could actually fit into the prescriptive model. This sounds kind of um, space age, to be honest. And there, there's a couple of reasons that we're doing this. Number one, um, I, I'm not convinced that just looking at blood markers is going to help the average coach make a better prescription. I don't think so. I think broad general inclusive fitness aka CrossFit is going to solve more more problems than like blood testing ever will. However, the technology keeps getting better. And even if it's not where it needs to be yet, having blood tests on file in 3 years when when the science is a lot better is going to help me be a lot more prescriptive. Second, um, again, it's an, interesting, it's an interesting area. It's an interesting project for me to be working on that's requiring me to learn a lot in a very short period of time. Third, I have a, a, a tremendous asset. Uh, one of the UpCoach mentors, Chris McNamara, has been doing this stuff for a couple years already. And so I know I don't have to look at like 3,000 blood markers. He can say, here are six. Here's what they mean. Here's what the science supports and um, here's how you can make a good prescription based on that so because this is a test i am personally paying for the mentors to get tested i'm personally paying for my clients in the gym to get tested i'm not charging them for it yet the next tech that we're using more and more is the in-body machine Um, when we bought this thing last year we went a couple of different ways with our testing Uh, brian alexander he and I are best testing buddies. Um, Sometimes we're very early adopters in everything. So, so Brian got his in-body and he started charging for scans. I got my in-body and I saw it more as like a tool, like a barbell. Um, we're not renting barbells, we're selling coaching. And, and so I thought that like the in-body was part of coaching. I think the measurement is part of coaching. And the in-body is just a, a $10,000 Canadian uh, measuring tool. So we started using this more and more and um, handing our clients a printout is very powerful. Now, since I opened up the workshop, our client intake process is done here over coffee on my couch and then we step into a private office and do an in-body scan. And when the client leaves and they've got all this data that they can't get anywhere else, that's crazy powerful. Does that mean you have to use in-body? No, there's other ways to do this. But the point is that the client has to leave with some personalized um, results, some data, a personalized plan. Like here's how we're going to fix this. And uh, they have to feel as if you're collaborating on this plan. Then you can backfill with all the tools they need to succeed. So blood testing and the in-body both help in that prescriptive process. Both help me establish my authority as a coach. And they give me something uh, that I can work toward with the client. In Help First, I wrote about um, you know sitting on the same side of the table as your client, and I meant that both in a metaphorical and a literal way. If we're sitting on the same side of the table and we're facing off, we're fighting against the results together. That means you know they are the hero of the story, and I'm their guide. If we're sitting across the table from one another, it's a debate, it's an argument, it's a negotiation, and so we want the client to know that we're on their side. I think using tools like blood testing, like the InBody, helps us establish that we're on the same side, that we're fighting against a common, you know, enemy and that they're the hero here, but I'm their guide. What other tech are we tracking this year? I think we're going to be doing a lot more with um, different communities. So for example, uh, Strava, we're using Strava a lot more uh, because we're working more with the cycling community. Um, Strava is like the Facebook for cyclists and endurance athletes, and in a lot of ways, it's way more fun than Facebook. It's like a it's like a tracker with Facebook with a social network involved too. Um, other tech that we're using, uh, you're going to hear Justin Ferriman on this podcast in a couple of weeks. I'm pretty pumped for that. Um, I know that a few minutes ago I talked about using online courses to help people uh, integrate into gyms and stay on habits. We're using that a lot more. Uh, All of our specialty programs, even a hockey training group that's starting at Catalyst in the next week, all those kids are going to log in, not to a WAD tracker, but into an online course to get their workouts, uh, to get their homework, um, to get some advice on how to eat, you know, when you're a teenage girl. um, And we can deliver all that to them. Is it a value add? Yes. However, value add is such a subjective term that we're attaching a couple of metrics to it. I never wanna say, I think this is a good idea or I think you should do it just because people love it. I always wanna say, this will make you more successful because of this data that we've collected. So in this case, um, we're going to use the the re-up value. Like how often do hockey training groups sign up for a second eight week session if we use this strategy versus if we don't. That's what we're going to be tracking with this and we'll be replaying uh, results later. The cool thing is that if you're in the two brain family and the data supports using this kind of online learning, that we can just push these courses to you very, very easily. You can do it yourself. You don't have to go through all these extra like plug-in setup and stuff that I'm doing right now. So those are the tech that we're, we're basically using in the gym this year next question is what's the workshop so if you follow us on instagram um, you'll see that most of my posts come from two brain workshop two brain workshop is a brick and mortar mentoring facility it's next door to my gym it is a huge building it's about eight thousand square feet Uh, we have small office space with themes Uh, the cabin office is especially amazing and popular it smells like cedar in there all the time um, we have a co-working space where entrepreneurs can come and drink coffee, uh, rent a desk space for like a day and collaborate on projects. We have a big boardroom and then we have offices for partners in businesses that I own. So UpCoach has an office, Ignite has an office, etc. Uh, healthy, uh, sorry, Fuel Up Nutrition has an office here. Um, there are some larger office spaces that are taken by some long-term tenants like engineering firms. This was built because in our city, um, the big industrial employers are going bankrupt. You know, entrepreneurial uh, endeavor is going to save this town. We need small businesses to succeed. But I think this also applies on a more global scope. I think that to save the North American economy, entrepreneurship, not production, is the way forward. Um, science and technology, innovation, creation, these things come from collaboration. They come from getting different perspectives from different industries and they come from connection. And that's what I'm trying to do at the two brain workshop. A lot of the two brain uh, clients would love to open their own workshop. They, they just love to get more entrepreneurs into their box to start doing CrossFit. Uh, and right now we're allowing two brain mentors to license the two brain workshop to give them the best practices and let them set up a workshop in their own city. Um, Some of them are hosting roundtables already with other gym owners and and inviting people who aren't in the Two Brain family to attend. Some of them are inviting um, entrepreneurs who own service businesses to attend workshops and seminars in their gyms already. These are amazing ideas. And if they want to do it full time, then they can open a workshop. We'll probably make this licensing available by the end of 2018 uh, to others in the Two Brain family. I believe that uh, people who start up CrossFit gyms have a lot to teach other entrepreneurs because we have to learn so fast and with such high intensity, um, but that doesn't mean we're really ready to, to license it to people who are outside the two-brain family yet. So for right now, uh, if you're in Sault Ste. Marie and you're going to come and visit Catalyst, wonderful, let me know in advance. Plan to take an extra hour to eat at the cafe in the workshop to hang around, um, to meet other entrepreneurs, to drink coffee and, and just kind of hang out in that space. It's an awesome space. I love it. Um, I love having a cafe. I probably drink even more coffee than I ever did before. Um, but just the opportunity to have different perspectives adds a lot to my day. And here's the benefit that I didn't really see coming. I didn't understand at first that I was guiding these entrepreneurs towards fitness. And that's happening a lot. People who come in and they ask about office space frequently ask about CrossFit and about Catalyst. And it gives me another way to approach that conversation. It gives them a lens through which to see CrossFit that they didn't before. A lot of them coming in are saying the same things. That CrossFit is for elite athletes. That CrossFit prepares you to be better at CrossFit. The lens that I want them to see things through are that CrossFit is the most efficient workout for an entrepreneur's time. They don't have to think when they're there. They don't have to be motivated to do CrossFit. CrossFit will motivate you. Wow. If you're unmotivated, um, they can just show up and get way more results in way less time than they would if they had to make an hour to go to the gym every day. There are a lot of other benefits like mental acuity, memory, and I list those on 2brain.com, uh, which is a site for entrepreneurs and other industries. But we don't have to get into that here. And that's basically the workshop. I can smell Mary at the cafe um, baking right now, so I'm going to cut it off here. Now, that question came after an episode we did um, with a mentors roundtable. And some of the senior mentoring team from Two Brain came to the workshop for the weekend. Uh, we were working on big projects back in uh, Sorry, back in October. The question that followed was, how do I become a mentor at Two Brain?" So uh, when I started mentoring people in 2012, I had already written Two Brain Business. I'd been blogging for about four years. Um, you know, I was already doing seminars. We really didn't have a data set to support what we were saying. We were just teaching uh, what was working in Catalyst and what was working in other gyms based on the feedback they were giving us. Now we have a massive data set. So... Mentors um, who work for 2Brain are selected from the 2Brain family. They have to be well versed in systems. Not every mentor teaches things exactly the same way. So, you know, when you go through the incubator, there is kind of a common path through the woods, and they, a lot of the curriculum is the same for every gym. But the way that it's taught has to be different based on the gym owner. And so different mentors will have different teaching styles. Some are more authoritarian. Some are more Socratic. Some are more empathetic. And my job is to try and pair you with the best mentor. So when I'm thinking about more mentors, I'll look at, number one, who in the two brain uh, you know, ecology has gone through something really, really hard. That's super important. If a mentor hasn't done something hard or failed big at something, they're not useful to you. I think the reason that we have the biggest practice is because of my early failure at at running a gym. And you know I'm really transparent about that. So then I'll say, is this person good at understanding and can they also teach? So just like the best CrossFitter in the world doesn't necessarily mean they're a good coach, the best gym owner doesn't necessarily make a good mentor. Third is their openness and transparency. Um, They don't have to... Cry on the phone, but they have to be honest. And I'm going to be I'm going to be honest with you. There are a lot of business out there, owners, sorry, business consultants out there in the fitness world and outside who are not completely transparent. Uh, you know, they haven't been through tough stuff, so they offer advice as if it's the gospel, and they don't know. So when we when we accept a mentor into our program. Uh, Usually it's really obvious to me, like this person would be an amazing mentor. Then they have to meet this list of criteria. You know, their gym has to be two brand compliant. They have to be making so much money net. They have to have this much free time. They have to understand the curriculum well enough to teach it back. And then they start into this six month mentor training process. I say six month, sometimes it takes a little bit less. You know, there are clients who've been with us for years. Uh, And they they go through this entire process before they're a qualified mentor. So I'm spelling this out because it's really sometimes unclear how big Two Brain is and how much we invest into mentoring. Um, I would take any Two Brain mentor against any mentor in the fitness world. Literally, you know, you pick anybody from 2brainbusiness.com forward slash mentors and hold them up against any other mentor in our industry. And I'd take the 2brain mentor any day. They are trained way better than I ever was when I started out. I had to figure it out as I went. They have access to curriculum that's proven itself hundreds of times. They have access to the biggest data set in the industry and they've been trained to help you maximally. They're not just making it up. They're not making guesses. They're not taking risks with your money. This is the kind of business that I want to build because I can't work with every gym myself. Um, And that means I want to help people help other people who help people. (laughs) It means that you know my job now is basically to take these ideas, to test them, to collect best practices, and then teach them to the mentors for implementation so that they can teach them to you. Also, I'm not the best mentor for everybody. Nobody is. There are people who need to be held to the fire. You know, they need that mentor who's going to call them every Monday morning and say, hey, get this thing done right now. I'm not that guy. I have a more Socratic teaching style. I believe in, you know, playing a very, very long game. And, you know, if you've been in the military, I'm probably not the best mentor for you but maybe Jeff Smith is, you know, or, or there's somebody else within, within the Two Brain family who probably is. We've really done a great job, I think, of covering all those bases. My mentoring style is not the same as Ken Andruco. People love Ken Andruco. Ken Andrewco is a Two Brain mentor and we're honored to have him as one. His mentoring style is not the same as Josh Price. They're very caring dudes. I've cried with both of these guys, but they serve different people better. And so when we're selecting mentors from two brain, usually it starts with somebody in the two brain family asking, can I become a mentor? And then a very frank and honest conversation with me. And then a very frank conversation with our senior team as part of the application process. And then a lot of training. It's not easy. A lot of people going through this training get frustrated and they wonder why it's taking so long. And the answer is because we only want the best. So how do you become a two brain mentor? You do the incubator, you, you become part of the two brain family. You stay in that family usually for years. And then when we recognize that you have some valuable life experience to draw upon, um, we'll kind of invite you into that circle. There are other opportunities if you're in the two brain family. You know a lot of people go into our level five group and they work on their their bigger projects than their gym or the next project, or you know they have a super sized gym or they, have a, they want to create a chain of gyms, whatever. Um, mentorship is not like the next logical step after gym ownership Um, but we have very strong filters we have a huge education requirement Um, we sometimes filter people out after they've been through that education and then we have a massive continuing ed requirement too so that i know when you talk to a two brain mentor you're going to have a life-changing experience there's no other way to define it These guys are selected based on their ability to change your life for the better using our knowledge, our data set, and our curriculum. And that's how we pick them. Now, I do talk a lot about, um, we take about three people out of 10 who apply to be mentored uh, by Two Brain. And that's because at this stage, it's really my job um, to keep quality high. More often than not, that means filtering people out who just aren't a good fit Now you can be an amazing gym owner, you can be my best friend, that doesn't mean you're a great fit for our mentorship program. Um, And I wanted to talk about different mentoring styles before I brought this up. So when people come in now, uh, they book a free call, they fill out their gym checkup, and that gives me like an objective view of their business. But I really want to talk to them in person myself because I want the subjective view too. I want the right and the left brain perspective. How do people get invited in uh if we're laughing on the phone during that half hour conversation it tells me a lot about you. It tells me that you're open that you probably have a beginner's mind, probably that you've made some mistakes um, A lot of our gym owners have been around for a while a lot of them have actually been with other mentoring you know agencies or consultants in the past, so they've maybe made some progress sometimes uh that's also triage you know if if somebody is in a really bad situation um then many times we can help. I was on the phone Thursday or Friday with a gym owner who really can't afford the service. And he's he has been really open about that. Um, you know. But he's such a caring coach that I think he would be a great fit. On the other hand, there are people coming in who run multi-million dollar operations. They've got three and four gyms and they need somebody ahead of them to challenge them, to show them what's next, to maintain their entrepreneurial spark. So it's a totally subjective process. Um, you know, generally the people who, who I mesh with really well, they've been through some stuff. Uh, you know, they, they've um, tried some things and it hasn't worked. Uh, they've read a lot of our stuff so they know what we're about. They know that we're all about quality, that we're not all about like the fast sale. Uh, maybe they've read one or two of my books. Maybe they've listened to this podcast And when they come on the phone, they've got some good questions that they want to ask. Um, It might be the same question that I've heard a thousand times. It might be a brand new question. It doesn't matter. Often these people are married. And so their priorities in life um, would be family first. And then the gym is set up to support my family. Uh, The people who we usually filter out would be people who are willing to sacrifice their family for the gym. And that shows It would be people who are, uh, they have a fixed mindset, like, nope, I'm going to do it exactly this way. My way is the best, you know, and this happens a lot, even if they're not making any money. Um, and it would be people who want to argue on the phone. This actually comes up, uh, more than you'd think. I've done that. It doesn't work. Or, uh, you know, you said this in episode number 39 and, and that's not accurate. How can you change your mind about things? You know, um. Generally, those people aren't invited in. So I wish I could give you a clearer answer like, oh, you have to be making $500,000 per year net to get into the program, or uh, you have to be a startup gym. But really, we mentor the people, not the gym. And so until we talk in person, I can't tell you whether you're a good fit or not. Um, The good news for you is that I'm willing to do unlimited calls. I've done well over 1,500 now, probably closer to 1,700. It's all on my dime. Uh, I'm willing to chat with you and offer as much help as I can, even if we don't invite you to be part of Two Brain. And you can book a free call through our site, twobrainbusiness.com. Okay, I've been saving this question until the end. So this is the last one I'm going to deal with today because this episode is already twice as long as I thought it would be. This question is uh, What's your best Greg story that wasn't included in the interview? So if you don't know what, where this question is coming from, if you go to twobrainbusiness.com forward slash Greg, um, I did an interview with Greg Glassman, the founder of CrossFit. A few months ago, uh, Greg does not do podcast interviews. Um, it's taken about four years, really, of conversation to set this up. When I started working for HQ in 2013, they were a little bit skeptical, maybe even critical of, of business mentorship. Um, that relationship has been nurtured for years. I've gone uh, to HQ a few times. Many of you heard me on the CrossFit podcast, and I'm going to be going back there next month um, to do another one. And so i I asked Greg if we could do this. Um, we set it up. I went to Portland to Greg's house, plugged in my microphone on his kitchen table, and we sat around. Uh, it was me, greg um, and and two really high top level people uh Nicole Carroll, Jimmy Letchford from h q and nothing was off the table. Um, so it was it was challenging for me to stay on topic because our conversation could have gone in any direction. My first interaction with Greg was actually, you know, well over 10 years ago. Um, we were part of this same forum with Mel Siff. And Mel Siff wrote Super Training and he hosted this, this uh, online chat board. And back then, the way that you interacted on these chat boards was... Uh, you basically emailed the moderator and the moderator every day would would post a list of summaries So it wasn't like facebook where you'd get like an instant response It was more like a pen pal you'd, you'd write a response and then 24 hours later you would you would see your response published And then somebody would respond to that, you know, so these conversations went on for years and greg was in that group for a couple of weeks um, mel did not really like uh, crossfit or or what we were doing because he perceived it as being random. Um, You know, Greg's, one of my favorite quotes from the interview was, uh, Greg said it, Mel perceived that everything is bullshit and uh, 95% of the time he's actually right. So he was a pretty smart guy. You know, 95% of everything that's said in the fitness industry is bullshit. The problem is that um, Mel extrapolated that to mean that everything is, And that made him take a critical view of of anything new that was proposed. So we actually talked a little bit more about that. And that's one of the few parts of that interview that actually got cut out. And the reason that I cut it out wasn't because Greg was critical of Mel or anything like that. It was because we were so deep in a rabbit hole. It was almost like telling an inside joke. An inside joke, you know, is not funny to anybody else. And it just kind of wastes the audience's time. So I did cut that stuff out but um after the interview uh greg says we're going to go find the best cheeseburger in america and he he knew where this best cheeseburger was so you know we got in our cars and and we drove um to this restaurant it wound up being closed we went to a cantina instead it was it was excellent and i think the most interesting part from that conversation over lunch uh and a couple of drinks was Where CrossFit affiliates need to be focusing their attention. So, years ago, we needed to be focusing our attention on the games and producing the highest level of fitness, forging elite fitness, because we needed to raise the common perception of what is fit. At the time, government agencies and like the NSCA were were putting stuff out like, you know, walk for 45 minutes a day if you want to save your life. And Greg said, that's not enough, you need to deadlift. You need to be able to do a pull-up or hold a handstand. And that was kind of heresy at the time. And, but we needed to lift that umbrella. We needed to raise the ceiling. And now we need to do the same thing with health. Um, that is our responsibility. That is our moral obligation. We were put in these seats of business ownership, uh, not to become millionaires, but to have the opportunity to change lives. And the next step in changing people's lives is raising the perception of what is health What does it require to be healthy? And then adding a sense of urgency. You need to get healthy right now. You need to build a margin of fitness to prevent you from getting these chronic diseases. And the way that we're going to do that as CrossFitters, as gym owners, is by teaching health in our own community. Now, as usual, Greg is providing an example to us. He's campaigning against Coke. He is giving lectures on diabetes. This doesn't have much to do with the thruster anymore, does it? We need in our own community to be the hub of health. Uh, We need to be giving people better feedback than their doctor, better access than their doctor. We need to be giving people more truth than uh, their chiropractor or people who are selling them these quick fixes. And so that means we need to run the best, most honorable business that we possibly can. We need to create value. We need to be a premium service. We can't just be another knockoff, boot campy, you know, come and get your workout choreographed. We need to be teachers, educators, leaders. We need to be experts. That means teaching people more broadly, it means being experts ourselves, knowing what the um, side effects of chronic disease are and, and what we can do about it. It means building a stronger local platform. That doesn't mean a better website. It means people seeing you as the authority. It means going out and doing seminars. Shit that you're probably not really comfortable with. It doesn't just mean content marketing. It means content delivery. It means getting your message out. You know, stumping. It means going out and putting on seminars. Um, It means partnering with financial planners. It means partnering with insurance agents and teaching their clients. It means getting the word out because you're an expert, not getting the word out because you're an expert at Facebook marketing. So the greatest thing that I learned from Greg is that while his perspective changes and keeps getting higher and higher, he's always interested in the process. He's always interested in the success of his affiliates more than anything else. And he he sees things from a higher level um, than most of us do. He knows it's going to take 30 years to change healthcare, but he would rather that the 30-year march starts today than 10 years from now. He knows that we're uniquely positioned to do this. He also knows that our business has to be successful um, if we're going to have this platform. And so the the greatest thing that I learned from Greg was that um, he's always ahead of everybody else, but he's always balancing that with empathy, He's a great example of the left and right brain. He has a scientific mind that's greatly rooted in empathy. And he sent me an email uh, just after Christmas that ended with, love you, brother. And, and that's crazy important. Um, everybody around him feels loved by Greg. I don't think there's anybody, uh, you know, there are people who've had relationships that ended poorly, uh, but I don't think there's anybody who can say, I hate Greg Glassman. And I think that's really important to his legacy. So this is a really tough question to ask. And I'm not sure if you were looking for like a meme or a, a quote. Um, it's, it's tough for me to answer. But I think the greatest takeaway from that conversation with Greg was really just a reaffirmation of the mission, that we're on the right track, that we're doing all the right things for all the right people. Um, there were a lot of great sound bites in that interview, like there's no space in CrossFit for discounts, Um, There were a lot of tactical things like doing nutrition challenges to build up his clientele when he first opened. But I think the reason that you should listen to that interview four and five times is to get a sense of the man. So I'm gonna end the Q&A there. Um, Thank you for your letters. Thank you for your support. There's a reason that we are the biggest mentoring practice in the world. Um, It's not because we have the most Facebook likes. In fact, we're probably in like 20th place for Facebook likes. It's because you keep listening and you keep asking better questions every single year. And that makes me proud to answer them and proud to be the one that you ask. So thank you. If you haven't downloaded um, Two Brain 2017 yet, please feel free to do that. It's 100% free to you. Go to twobrainbusiness.com forward slash Two Brain 2017. It's a book that's about 300 pages long. And it's a collection of our thoughts, advice, tips, and strategies from last year. And it's 100% free to you. I appreciate your time and attention. Have a great 2018.